0: Section thirty nine of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Jines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering, or the Astrologer, by Sir Walter Scott, Volume Two, Chapter Seven. Give me a cup of sack, to make mine eyes look red for i must speak in passion and i will do it in king cambus's vein henry the fourth part one mannering with sampson for his companion lost no time in his journey to edinburgh they travelled in the colonel's post-chariot who knowing his companion's habits of abstraction did not choose to lose him out of his own sight far less, to trust him on horseback, where in all probability a knavish stable-boy might with little address have contrived to mount him with his face to the tail. Accordingly with the aid of his valet who attended on horseback he contrived to bring Mr. Sampson safe to an inn in Edinburgh, for hotels in those days there were none, without any other accident than arose from his straying twice upon the road. On one occasion he was recovered by Barnes, who understood his humour, when, after engaging in close colloquy with the schoolmaster of Moffat, respecting a disputed quantity in Horace's seventh ode, Book Two, the dispute led on to another controversy concerning the exact meaning of the word malo in that lyric effusion his second escapade was made for the purpose of visiting the field of rullian green which was dear to his presbyterian predilections having got out of the carriage for an instant he saw the sepulchral monument of the slain at the distance of about a mile and was arrested by barnes in his progress up the pentland hills having on both occasions forgot his friend patron and fellow-traveller as completely as if he had been in the east indies on being reminded that colonel mannering was waiting for him he uttered his usual ejaculation of prodigious i was oblivious and then strode back to his post barnes was surprised at his master's patience on both occasions knowing by experience how little he brooked neglect or delay but the Dominie was in every respect a privileged person. His patron and he were never for a moment in each other's way, and it seemed obvious that they were formed to be companions through life. If Mannering wanted a particular book, the Dominie would bring it if he wished to have accounts summed up or checked his assistance was equally ready if he desired to recall a particular passage in the classics he could have recourse to the dominie as to a dictionary and all the while this walking statue was neither presuming when noticed nor sulky when left to himself to a proud shy reserved man and such in many respects was mannering this sort of living catalogue and animated automaton had all the advantages of a literary dumb-waiter. As soon as they arrived in Edinburgh, and were established at the George Inn near Bristow Port, then kept by old Cockburn, I love to be particular, the colonel desired the waiter to procure him a guide to Mr. Playdell's the advocate for whom he had a letter of introduction from mr macmorlan he then commanded barnes to have an eye to the dominie and walked forth with a chairman who was to usher him to the man of law the period was near the end of the american war the desire of room of air and of decent accommodation had not as yet made very much progress in the capital of scotland some efforts had been made on the south side of the town towards building houses within themselves as they were emphatically termed and the new town on the north since so much extended was then just commenced but the great bulk of the better classes and particularly those connected with the law still lived in flats or dungeons of the old town the manners also of some of the veterans of the law had not admitted innovation One or two eminent lawyers still saw their clients in taverns, as was the general custom fifty years before. And although their habits were already considered as old-fashioned by the younger barristers, yet the custom of mixing wine and revelry with serious business was still maintained by those senior counsellors who loved the old road, either because it was such, or because they had got too well used to it to travel any other among those praisers of the past time who with ostentatious obstinacy affected the manners of a former generation was this same paulus pleydell esq otherwise a good scholar an excellent lawyer and a worthy man under the guidance of his trusty attendant colonel mannering after threading a dark lane or two reached the high street, then clanging with the voices of oyster-women and the bells of pie-men, for it had, as his guide assured him, just chappet eight upon the tron. It was long since Mannering had been in the street of a crowded metropolis, which, with its noise and clamor, its sounds of trade, of revelry and of license its variety of lights and the eternally changing bustle of its hundred groups offers by night especially a spectacle which though composed of the most vulgar materials when they are separately considered has when they are combined a striking and powerful effect on the imagination the extraordinary height of the houses was marked by lights which glimmering irregularly along their front ascended so high among the attics that they seemed at length to twinkle in the middle sky this coup which still subsists in a certain degree was then more imposing owing to the uninterrupted range of buildings on each side which broken only at the space where the north bridge joins the main street formed a superb and uniform place, extending from the front of the Lucan booths to the head of the cannon-gate, and corresponding in breadth and length to the uncommon height of the buildings on either side. Mannering had not much time to look and to admire. His conductor hurried him across this striking scene and suddenly dived with him into a very steep paved lane turning to the right they entered a scale staircase as it is called the state of which as far as it could be judged of by one of his senses annoyed mannering's delicacy not a little when they had ascended cautiously to a considerable height they heard a heavy rap at a door still two stories above them the door opened and immediately ensued the sharp and worrying bark of a dog the squalling of a woman, the screams of an assaulted cat, and the hoarse voice of a man, who cried in a most imperative tone, Will ye, mustard, will ye, down, sir, down. Lord preserve us, said the female voice, and he had worried our cat, Mr. Playdale would never have forgiven me. A will, my do, the cat's not a prin the ware, so he's no in, ye say na mr pleydell's never in the house on saturday at even answered the female voice "and the morn's sabbath too said the queerist i dinna ken what will be done by this time mannering appeared and found a tall strong countryman clad in a coat of pepper and salt-coloured mixture with huge metal buttons a glazed hat and boots and a large horsewhip beneath his arm in colloquy with a slipshod damsel who had in one hand the lock of the door and in the other a pail of whiting or camstain as it is called mixed with water a circumstance which indicates saturday night in edinburgh so mr playdale is not at home my good girl said mannering ay sir he's at home but he's no in the house he's I out on saturday at even but my good girl, I am a stranger and my business express. Will you tell me where I can find him? His honour, said the chairman, will be at Claricew's about this time. Herself could have told ye that, but she thought ye wanted to see his house. Well, then show me to this tavern. I suppose he will see me as I come on business of some consequence. I dinna can, sir, said the girl, he disna like to be disturbed on Saturdays with business, but he's eyes civil to strangers. I'll gang to the tavern, too, said our friend Dinmont, for I am a stranger also, and on business even sick-like. "Na," said the handmaiden, and he sees the gentleman, he'll see the simple body, too, but Lord's sake, dinna say it was me sent me there at will i am a simple body that's true hinny but i am no come to steal any of his keel for nothin said the farmer in his honest pride and strutted away downstairs, followed by mannering and the coddy mannering could not help admiring the determined stride with which the stranger who preceded them divided the press shouldering from him by the mere weight and impetus of his motion both drunk and sober passengers he'll be a teviotdale tup, tat an said the chairman tat's for keepin to crown of to causeway tat gate he'll no gang far or he'll get somebody to bell to cat with him his shrewd augury however was not fulfilled those who recoiled from the colossal weight of dinmont on looking up at his size and strength apparently judged him too heavy metal to be rashly encountered and suffered him to pursue his course unchallenged following in the wake of this first rate mannering proceeded till the farmer made a pause and looking back to the chairman said i'm thinking this will be the close friend ay ay replied donald tats de close Dinmont descended confidently, then turned into a dark alley, then up a dark stair, and then into an open door, while he was whistling shrilly for the waiter, as if he had been one of his collie-dogs. Mannering looked around him, and could hardly conceive how a gentleman of a liberal profession and good society should choose such a scene for social indulgence, besides the miserable entrance the house itself seemed paltry and half ruinous the passage in which they stood had a window to the close which admitted a little light during the daytime and a villainous compound of smells at all times but more especially towards evening corresponding to this window was a borrowed light on the other side of the passage looking into the kitchen which had no direct communication with the free air but received in the daytime at second-hand such straggling and obscure light as found its way from the lane through the window opposite at present the interior of the kitchen was visible by its own huge fires a sort of pandemonium where men and women half undressed were busied in baking broiling roasting oysters and preparing devils on the gridiron the mistress of the place with her shoes slipshod and her hair struggling like that of Megara from under a round-eared cap toiling scolding receiving orders giving them and obeying them all at once seemed the presiding enchantress of that gloomy and fiery region loud and repeated bursts of laughter from different quarters of the house proved that her labors were acceptable and not unrewarded by a generous public with some difficulty a waiter was prevailed upon to show colonel mannering and dinmont the room where their friend learned in the law held his hebdomadal carousals the scene which it exhibited and particularly the attitude of the counsellor himself, the principal figure therein, struck his two clients with amazement. Mr. Playdale was a lively, sharp-looking gentleman, with a professional shrewdness in his eye, and, generally speaking, a professional formality in his manners. But this, like his three-tailed wig and black coat, he could slip off on a Saturday evening, when surrounded by a party of jolly companions and disposed for what he called his altitudes on the present occasion the revel had lasted since four o'clock and at length under the direction of a venerable competitor who had shared the sports and festivities of three generations the frolicsome company had begun to practise the ancient and now forgotten pastime of high-jinks this game was played in several different ways most frequently the dice were thrown by the company and those upon whom the lot fell were obliged to assume and maintain for a time a certain fictitious character or to repeat a certain number of fascinine verses in a particular order if they departed from the characters assigned or if their memory proved treacherous in the repetition they incurred forfeits which were either compounded for by swallowing an additional bumper or by paying a small sum towards the reckoning at this sport the jovial company were closely engaged when mannering entered the room mr Counselor Playdell, such as we have described him was enthroned as a monarch in an elbow-chair placed on the dining-table his scratch-wig on one side, his head crowned with a bottle-slider, his eye leering with an expression betwixt fun, and the effects of wine, while his court around him resounded with such crombo scraps of verse as these. Where is Garunto now? And what's become of him? Garunto's drowned, because he could not swim, etc., etc., such o themis were anciently the sports of thy scottish children dinmont was first in the room he stood aghast a moment and then exclaimed it's him sure enough deal o the like o that ever i saw at the sound of mr dinmont and colonel mannering wanting to speak to you sir pleydell turned his head and blushed a little when he saw the very genteel figure of the english stranger he was however of the opinion of falstaff out ye villains play out the play wisely judging it in the better way to appear totally unconcerned where be our guards exclaimed this second justinian see ye not a stranger knight from foreign parts arrived at this our court of Holyrood, with our bold yeoman andrew dinmont who has succeeded to the keeping of our royal flocks within the forest of Jedwood, where, thanks to our royal care in the administration of justice, they feed as safe as if they were within the bounds of Fife. Where be our heralds, our pursuivants, our lion, our march mount, our Carrick, and our Snowdown? Let the strangers be placed at our board and regaled as beseemeth their quality and this our high holiday to-morrow we will hear their tidings so please you my liege to-morrow's sunday said one of the company sunday is it then we will give no offence to the assembly of the kirk on monday shall be their audience mannering who had stood at first uncertain whether to advance or retreat now resolved to enter for the moment into the whim of the scene though internally fretting at macmorlan for sending him to consult with a crack-brained humorist he therefore advanced with three profound congees and craved permission to lay his credentials at the feet of the Scottish monarch, in order to be perused at his best leisure. The gravity with which he accommodated himself to the humor of the moment, and the deep and humble inclination with which he at first declined and then accepted a seat presented by the master of the ceremonies, procured him three rounds of applause. Dale hammy, if they aren't a mad together, said Dinmont occupying with less ceremony a seat at the bottom of the table or else they have taken yule before it comes and are gone a guisarding a large glass of claret was offered to mannering who drank it to the health of the reigning prince you are i presume to guess said the monarch that celebrated sir Miles mannering so renowned in the french wars and may well pronounce to us if the wines of gascony lose their flavour in our more northern realm.' Mannering, agreeably flattered by this allusion to the fame of his celebrated ancestor, replied by professing himself only a distant relation of the pro-chevalier, and added that in his opinion the wine was superlatively good. "'It's o'er cold for my stomach,' said Dinmont, setting down the glass, empty, however.' we will correct that quality answered king paulus the first of the name we have not forgotten that the moist and humid air of our valley of Lidal inclines to stronger potations seneschal let our faithful yeoman have a cup of brandy it will be more germane to the matter and now said mannering since we have unwarily intruded upon your Majesty at a moment of mirthful retirement, be pleased to say when you will indulge a stranger with an audience on those affairs of weight which have brought him to your northern capital. The monarch opened MacMorlan's letter, and running it hastily over, exclaimed with his natural voice and manner, Lucy Bertram of Ellangowan, poor dear Lassie! a forfeit a forfeit exclaimed a dozen voices his majesty has forgot his kingly character not a whit not a whit replied the king i'll be judged by this courteous knight may not a monarch love a maid of low degree is not king cofetua and the beggar-maid an adjudged case in point professional professional another forfeit exclaimed the tumultuary nobility had not our royal predecessors continued the monarch exalting his sovereign voice to drown these disaffected clamours had they not their jean logies their bessie Carmichaels, their Oliphants, their sandlands and their weirs and shall it be denied to us even to name a maiden whom we delight to honour nay then sink state and perish sovereignty for like a second charles v we will abdicate and seek in the private shades of life those pleasures which are denied to a throne so saying he flung away his crown and sprung from his exalted station with more agility than could have been expected from his age ordered lights and a wash-hand basin and towel with a cup of green tea into another room and made a sign to mannering to accompany him in less than two minutes he washed his face and hands settled his wig in the glass and to mannering's great surprise looked quite a different man from the childish bacchanal he had seen a moment before there are folks he said mr mannering before whom one should take care how they play the fool because they have either too much malice or too little wit, as the poet says. The best compliment I can pay Colonel Mannering is to show I am not ashamed to expose myself before him, and truly I think it is a compliment I have not spared to-night on your good nature. But what's that great strong fellow wanting? Dinmont, who had pushed after Mannering into the room, began with a scrape with his foot and a scratch of his head in unison, I am Dandy Dinmont, Sir, of the Charleys Hope, the Lidsdale lad. ye'll mind me, it was for me ye won yon grand plea. What plea you loggerhead said the lawyer, do ye think I can remember all the fools that come to plague me, Lord, Sir? It was the grand plea about the grazing of the l- Langtey head said the farmer. Well, curse thee, never mind. Give me the memorial and come to me on Monday at ten, replied the learned counsel. But, sir, I haven't got any distinct memorial. No memorial, man, said Playdell. No, sir, no memorial, answered Dandy, for your honour said before, Mr. Playdell, ye'll mind that ye liked best to hear us hill-folk tell our own tale by word o' mouth shrew my tongue that said so answered the counsellor it will cost my ears a dinning well say in two words what you've got to say you see the gentleman waits oh sir if the gentleman likes he may play his own spring first it's all one to dandy now you luby said the lawyer cannot you conceive that your business can be nothing to colonel mannering but that he may not choose to have these great ears of thine regaled with his matters, oh well, sir, just as you and he like, so ye see to my business," said Dandy, not a whit disconcerted by the roughness of this reception. We're at the old wark of the marches again, Jock a clue, and me. Ye see, we march on the tap of Talsaprig after we pass the pomeragrins for the pomeragrins and slackenspool and bloodylaws they come in there and they belong to the peel but after ye pass pomeragrins at a muckle great saucer headed cut-legged stain that they call charlie's chucky there dost and clo and charlie's hope they march now i say the march rins on the top of the hill the wind and water shears, but Jock of Dawston Clue, again, he contravenes that, and says that it bods down by the old drove-road that goes away by the knot of the gate over to Kildar Ward, and that makes an unco difference. And what difference does it make, friend? said Playdell. How many sheep will it feed? oh no many said dandy scratching his head it's lying high and exposed it may feed a hog or abelins tu in a good year and for this grazing which may be worth about five shillings a year you are willing to throw away a hundred pound or two no sir it's no for the value of the grass replied dinmont it's for justice my good friend said pleydell justice like charity should begin at home do you justice to your wife and family and think no more about the matter dinmont still lingered twisting his hat in his hand it's no for that sir but i would like ill to be bragged with him he threeps he'll bring a score o witnesses and mar. and i'm sure there's as many will swear for me as for him folk that lived all their days upon the charlies hope and wouldna like to see the land lose its right. Sounds, man. If it be a point of honour, said the lawyer. Why don't your landlords take it up? I dinna ken, sir. Scratching his head again. There's been no election dust lately, and the lairds are unco neighbourly. And Jock and me canna get them to yoke the about it. All that we can say. But if ye thought we might keep up the rent no no that will never do said Playdell. confound you why don't you take good cudgels and settle it odd sir answered the farmer we tried that three times already that's twice on the land and once at lockerby fair but i dinna ken we're both gay good at single stick and it couldna well be judged then take broadswords and be damned to you as your fathers did before you Said the counsel, learned in the law, "A will, sir. If ye think it wouldna be again the law, it's all one to Dandy." Hold, hold! Exclaimed pleydell "We shall have another Lord Solis's mistake. prithee man, comprehend me. I wish you to consider how very trifling and foolish a lawsuit you wish to engage in." Ay, sir," said Dandy in a disappointed tone do ye win it take on with me i'm doubting me not i go home go home take a pint and agree dandy looked but half contented and still remained stationary anything more my friend only sir about the succession of this lady that's dead old miss margaret bertram a singleside ay what about her said the councillor rather surprised oh we have no connection at all with the bertrams said dandy they were grand folk by the like of us but jean liltop that was old singleside's housekeeper and the mother of these twa young ladies that are gone the last of them's dead at a ripe age i trow jean liltop came out of liddell water and she was as near our connection as second cousin to my mother's half-sister she drew up with singleside no doubt when she was his housekeeper and it was a sair vex and grief to all her kith and kin but he acknowledged a marriage and satisfied the kirk and now i would ken from you if we have not some claim by law not the shadow of a claim A oh well we're nay pure said dandy but she may have thought on us if she was minded to make a testament. Well, sir, I've said my say. I's even wish you good-night, and, putting his hand in his pocket, No, no, my friend, I never take fees on Saturday nights, or without a memorial. Away with you, Dandy. And Dandy made his reverence, and departed accordingly. CHAPTER seven.